Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bachar banu mikol hamim, venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Adonai, we bless Amen. you and we receive Mashiach Yeshua right now. I ask that you would illuminate us with his eyes as we dive into your Torah. Amen. Amen. So, everybody, we back. Uh, part two. Thank Hashem. And the incredible Woo. Talmud is here. Come on. All right, bro. So, I just want to recap everybody of the violence that um, you brought down uh, yesterday as we were talking about the choice that we have in the midst of all of our pain, in the midst of all of our circumstances. And you specifically made this little comment, which really wasn't a little comment, but we were talking about the circumcision that preceded the opening of the Torah portion. Mm. So there was something that Abraham lost, is the way that you put it. And yeah. that which he lost actually led to his healing. Mm. So... I'm going to go ahead and ping pong it to you. And if you can just kind of continue and transition on into whatever other violence you would like to drop down. Wow. Come on. We're going to start it off like that. That's huh? where we're starting on the cutting edge. <laughs> oh, man. That ain't right. Okay. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, so, yeah, like, like you, like you mentioned, the, Basically, the problem that Viera has is that it just has too much good stuff in it, you know. For real. And it is really hard to connect Viera with Lech Lecha, but many of the Torah portions, I know they start at a particular point, but you've got to make sure that it, it doesn't connect. Don't don't miss the previous chapter from the last week's parsha is what I'm saying because it could unlock a whole lot of mysteries as is the case with connecting Lechlecha with Vaera. Mm. <clears throat> you know, we were talking about the the idea of the circumcision. I I, I think the Chazal say he was around 48, 50 years old when the, the whole Tower of Babel thing went down. So at this point, he's 99 years old. We know that. So we're, we're talking a difference of around 50 years here. Wow. From the, from the time he left his lineage. Do you hear what I said? From the time he left the Ur of the Chaldees and all this, this whole land filled with idolatries so you're trying to say to, his circumcision wasn't a precursor to his salvation i am saying that sometimes things that you do in your life will catch up with you later on mm. and you have to you have to be careful to do them you won't see the fruit of them at first it may even be 50 years later but don't you know Hashem is looking? That's that was the whole thing of, of part one was that who appeared? It was Hashem who appeared. It was Hashem who looked and considered Abraham because of a decision he made. Really, not not just in the previous chapter at, at getting circumcised at ninety nine, but leaving mm -hmm. fifty years earlier, making a choice, making a decision, and so so. All of us travel the same road in life. All of us are on this, this planet. We are all humans. We all have one brain. We all have one body. So, so can't say it met's Shomer man and I'm, and I'm unshomer man. You can't really say that. Ooh, come on. You can't, you really can't say it met's keep is bigger than mine. Mm. <laughs> can't say that. Because a man has walked on the same planet I've walked. Believe it. He gets eight hours of sleep that I get. He works his eight hours a day that I do. He drives a car just like I drive. So 
me and Matt, we're on the same road here. Now, the difference may be, and Matt has made better choices than I have made. So there's a there's a lot of unlock, un, unlocked doors in his understanding. The secrets of the Torah are more revealed to him. Not because we haven't traveled the same road, but just because he followed the directions on the road better than I did, maybe. Made better decisions. You see what I'm saying? So, so Abraham is here and Hashem has appeared to him. And, and really, if we connect that to the previous chapter, we understand that this is, this is in regards to this milah. And this is important to consider. Um, and this kind of where I would like to take part two, if, if if we can go that route. Let's do it. So the circumcision, everybody knows what a circumcision is. It is it is a cutting off of the foreskin. Right. And and it's very easy to see the evidence of what Abraham left behind hmm. um, and, and where he's at in his life. 50 years later, here he is getting circumcised. So something happens, like you were saying earlier, the salvation in his heart, this, this conversion, the circumcision of his heart has now manifested where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Come on. And now it has worked out and now Hashem has taken notice with, with, with him and seen him. And now he's sitting at the door of this tent. So it's very interesting that there's three angels that appear. There is the Gemara. The Gemara in Baba Metzia 86a says that they were Mikael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Now, Mikael is there to bring news to Sarah. Raphael is there to bring healing. Healing to who? To Abraham. Mm -hmm. he's, he, he's been circumcised, right? And Gabriel, Gabriel is there to destroy Sodom and Amora, the evil people. Mm. Amra. Okay. So, so here we are, and I want to bring something up. I want to read something to you. <clears throat> this is in relation to, to the three Malachim, why they were sent. And, uh, and there's a Midrash. Shemot Rabbah 28.1. And this is uh, from one of Rabbi Pincus Friedman's drashes. Shown up, as you call him. Come on. <laughs> it says, according to the Midrash, that there is a meal that the Malachim ate, ate as they were guests with Abraham. A, a specific meal? This meal that he prepared for them, remember? He said, go kill the fatted calf. He actually told Hashem, Abraham said, Hashem, would you wait right here while I go and minister to these guests? Mm -mm. Can you believe that? Now think about this. Hash Abraham is, is asking the Lord, uh, just one second, I will, I've, I've got to go tend to these guests and uh, I'll be right back. Wow. So what's happening here is that he is meeting these three Malachim. There's a Midrash that says the reason why this is important is because they had to eat with Abraham. And the reason why, if, uh, for instance, Mikael's mission was very clear to give news to Sarah. Raphael's mission was very clear to heal Abraham. But Hashem could have healed him. Hmm. Hashem was already there at the tent. Come on. So why did Raphael had to go? And thirdly, why 
in the world did Gabriel have to go? He could have went straight to Sodom and destroyed it. Wow. Because they had to eat with Abraham. And the Midrash goes on to talk about that when Moshe ascended, and you're the one for the first time when I heard this uh, Midrash, it was from you, and you told me the story when, when Moshe ascended on, on Har Sinai, and he was about to be given the Torah that the angels wanted to execute him. Yep. And Hashem said, no, grab a hold of my throne and you will find protection. Wow. Remember that? I do. Well, listen to this. Uh -oh. According to Shemot Rabbah 28.1, when Moshe ascended to the Almighty to receive the Torah, the ministering angels, as we mentioned, attempted to harm him. But what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He transformed his facial features into those of Abraham and rebuked what? the Malachim. Can you, can you repeat that? And he said, aren't you embarrassed that you treat him this way? Isn't he the one you went down to visit and whose house you dined at? Oh, wow. This meal. So let me repeat it. Yes, please, please. The angels are about to execute Moshe for receiving something they thought he didn't deserve. But to which of those angels would the words honor your father and mother apply? As I remember the Midrash. Yeah, that's it. Huh? That's it. That's so, in there. So so what so what Hashem did according to Midrash Shemot Rabbah is that he transformed Moshe's face into the face of Avraham and rebuked the Malachim and said, Don't you remember when you went down to this guy's house and you ate, dined with him, you had a meal with him, and rebuked them. Wow. for wanting to execute the very man that prepared them a meal as they walked in the desert. <laughs> to say the least, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Oh, <laughs> that, that for real. Think about that. Yeah. Come on now. So, so there's this, there's this, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not just a precedent. There's a precipice here. And this has to do with the Mila. Remember, this all happens after Abraham cuts something off. Yeah. Literally gets circumcised. But there's something ma magical. If I can say that word with the people not getting offended, there's something supernatural. All right. Let's there say you that. go. That happens <laughs> in his life. And it's that could alter the entire course of mankind through this act of Mila. We say circumcision, but circumcision really is a bad word because we don't understand that it means covenant. Woo, breach. When you cut off your secularism and your worldliness and your ties to, to everything that you are or should be outside of Hashem, when that gets cut off, all of a sudden, all good things begin to happen. And there's an opening of the tent. And remember, we talked about the word tent being oh hell. This is the this is the tent. This is where Hashem says, "Hey, make make me a place. Make me a place." Wow. Uh, where I can, where I don't want to, I don't want to be too far away from what I'm about to give you. Wow. And this goes, this goes to what the cutting away reveals in our lives. <laughs> so, re so remember when this covenant is realized, when people adhere themselves to the covenant, when they, when they become grafted in when they are literally converted here's what happens the klipa is removed from them wow and they are they are there is a there's a consideration given to them from 
Hashem himself. And these three angels appear to him. Again, Mikael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Wow. So, <clears throat> so now we have another idea. And this comes from uh, the Chasm Sofer. He writes in the name of the Sefer Chachaim, authored by Rabbeinu Chaim, the brother of the Maharal of Prague. Wow. That the Mila, the Mila, the covenant itself, has to do with the Torah, She, Baal Pei. <laughs> huh? <laughs> that is the no. oral Torah, the Midrash, the Talmud, all the above. That's what you just said. That's right. And, and, and the source is this, that the word Gomorrah itself is an acronym for Gabriel, Mikael, Raphael, and Uriel. Man. Once again, Gomorrah is an acronym for these angels that appeared to Abraham. Now, Uriel wasn't there, and we're going to explain why here in a minute. Wow. Okay. So the, the Torah pay is this this is when someone is hearing from hearing from searching the deep inner essence of the Torah. <laughs> it's only revealed, and this is in Barakot 6.1. That anyone who sits, even sits alone learning Torah, the Shekinah accompanies him. Get you some. And then when you have the, the oral Torah accompanied with the Shekinah, then you're escorted. The Shekinah itself is escorted by the four Malachim. Gabriel, Mikael, Raphael, and Uriel. And they protect you. So what does all this mean? What this means is, and, that, and this, this comes from uh, uh, Perke Eliezer, which we have. Pearl K. Pearl K says in chapter four that there are four groups of ministering angels that attend the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. First, Michael on his right. Second, Gabriel on his left. Third, Uriel in front of him. And fourth, Raphael behind him. HaKadosh's divine presence Rest in the middle as he sits atop his lofty throne. So what has happened here, because we see these three. Now, remember, Uriel's not there, but we see Hashem in the middle. We see Gabriel, Mikael, and Raphael show up. Right there, you have an allusion to Torah Shebeape. <laughs> And the reason why that's important, the reason why that's important is because we know from Barakot 6 that, that when you study, you are accompanied by the Shekinah who's escorted by these angels. And so that means that the Milah itself, the actual conversion itself, is the opening up of Devarshim. This is when the barrier between your understanding of the Bible, let's just get it, get it down to East Texas talk, the Bible. Your understanding of the Bible is catapulted into a whole nother realm of understanding. Now, if we can, if if we can do, if we can go that way, if we can, if you know, if people can hang on, check this out. <laughs> Uriel, Uriel, I'm gonna read this to you right here. 
Uriel was missing from from the site of Genesis 18, right? Mm-hmm. Hashem said, wherever you go, build me a dwelling place. There's a Midrash. I'm going to read it to you. I think it's important to read. I love me reading Midrashes. You know how I am, man. Hey, bring it. Man, if I can find this Midrash. Um, <laughs> help him find it, please. Here it is. Here it is. Come on. Oh, man. Thank you, Rochelle. Shemot Rabbah 33.1. When B'nai Israel acquired the Torah, it was as if they acquired HaKadosh Baruch Hu along with it. <laughs> it's like a king who married off his only daughter to another king. And when the second king came to take his new bride to his land, the first king, the father, made a small request. Wherever you take her, please, just make me a small dwelling so I may be near her. I cannot bear being separated from her. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a similar request to Israel so that he's not separated from the Torah. He said, he asked them to build him a house to live. That's what he meant by make me a sanctuary. So he could be close to his Torah. Huh? Man, that is legit. All right. Did you want to do the honors of connecting that to Mashiach's words? Or would you like? No, to? you go. You go ahead. You tag in because I'm. I'm on right after you're done. I'm gonna tag back in with this Oriel thing. Go ahead. All right. So, if I could just have a little bit of time, real quick. Come on. So, first of all, you just brought down this epic midrash about Hashem being with the Torah, and then Mashiach himself is talking here about people who receive him. And so, first of all, Yochanan 10.30 says, I and the Father are echad. Like, right. we cannot be separated. So, if we have the Torah, we have Hashem. Now, I know, contrary to popular belief, as far as what we've known pre-Judaism, that apparently in the Basora, there are a bunch of Jews who have the Torah, but don't have Hashem. Mm. And that was kind of an issue, and that was really what Mashiach Yeshua was calling certain perishing, not all perishing. Right. Certain perishing. Because we're all perishing, by the way, because we believe in the resurrection. We believe in mm -hmm. angels. We're talking about them right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> the thing is, is what are we doing with that Torah? Because there is a Torah that you can have that's apart from Hashem. It's called the Torah of death. Oh, and so Shaul obviously talks about that and copious amounts of his writings. And then uh, Yochanan uh, 1320, Yeshua says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my shliach, my sent one, my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the father who sent me. Mm. So just to kind of tie that up, wanted to do that because, you know, it's incredible that when you are a believer and then you apparently convert into this observant Judaism Torah walk, i.e. being becoming a Lapid Jew, people like freak out on you that knew you in the past. They like, oh, my gosh, you don't believe in Yeshua no more. And they call uh -huh. him DC, obviously. And you're just like, no, like, why would I not believe in him? Like. I'm doing this because I believe in him. And just like Abraham, my life is catching up to me. Which, by the way, when you drop that, that is in incredibly, pun intended, violent. Because something that Abraham did when he was 48 or 50 or 75, depending on what opinion you're going to go with, caught mm -hmm. up with him at 100. So we're right. looking at at least 25 to 50 plus years which is interesting when you talk about 
Yeshua in Yochanan chapter eight, when he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they're like, how can oh. you be so? You aren't even yet 50. Oh, so he was there when he was Abram. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> oh, no matter man. which way you want to, pun intended, slice it. Wow. What happened at the beginning plays out eventually. So this is why the Talmudim of Mashiach Yeshua were not all about, like, circumcised people real quick. It's like, no. Right. Mikvah people real quick because that's where oh. the new creation is. You have That's to be born it, again from above. And that water that you're mikvahed into, that is the womb of bringing you into that new birth from above. So That's there's right. all that. And then uh, you were talking about uh, how this Torah portion, you can't forget the previous one, Lech Lecha, you can't. Well, it is so amazing that you said that because even the Kehert Humash itself in the overview this is what it says. The fact that Abraham's life, per se, is chronicled and two parashot indicates that it is comprised, it comprised two distinct phases. In fact, if we examine the events recorded in these two Torah portions, Leklika and Vayera, we are left with the impression that Abraham repeated in Parashah Vayera virtually everything he did in Parsha Lech Lecha. And, and then wow. it just goes down the list of just like, are you serious? How did I not think of that? So then, wow. so that I just wanted to make sure everyone got you on that. And then, since we're still in the first verse of the Torah portion, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. The Targum Ankelos, which I like to call OG Ankelos really keys on who Abraham's words are directed to. And literally, it says, Prince of God, like Memtet or Sarhapanim or the Prince mm -hmm. of Peace or whoever you want to say. And, and it also says that the Targumist opts for the word Adonai, referring to Hashem. So when you really look at this commentary of Hashem and his wingman or Hashem himself and where was Hashem because he left Hashem to go greet Hashem, but yet it was three men and all this. And then remember the transfiguration, how I was talking about it's Yeshua, it's Moshe, it's Eliyahu and the cloud and the light. And Hashem says, this is my son. And so you have this whole overlay here. So. Memtet, Hashem, like it's all this echad, this revelation. And uh, so, yeah, so that I just wanted to point out the Targum says it's either the Prince of Peace, basically the Prince of God, according to Bereshit Rabbah or Hashem. So however you want to go with that. And mm -hmm. then I got two things before I share my ping pong point, because I'm just wanting to make sure right. we try to get everything we possibly can. Ooh. The Akidat Yitzhak, chapter 18, literally, there's a, a source called The Binding of Isaac. Yeah, it <laughs> Just, is. What in the world? <laughs> because yeah, it it's always one of my things that I love to point out that Jews actually believe in hell. It's, it's called Gehenna. And yeah. um, so sometimes there's that false belief that's portrayed out there, and I just want to clear it up. We did it in Parashat right. Korach, so you can go back on my podcast and go to Korach, and there's a whole get you some about Gehenna. But wow. it's also here in Vayera, because where is Abraham sitting? At the Pierce place, as you elucidated with this teeth talk over here, uh, mm -hmm. or Patak. But the entrance of his tent is connected to Bereshit Rabbah 48, that says Abraham sits at the entrance to Gehenna and prevents any circumcised Jew from being consigned to that destination. Wow. The meaning is that between the combined effects of circumcision, physical, and Torah, spiritual, the fate that is reserved for the uncircumcised could not possibly be in store for circumcised Jews. 
So notice it's saying you have to have the Torah with your spiritual and your physical salvation. Right. And and you have Abraham Avinu sitting here as our intercessor. So just want to bring that down. And then um, there's this whole thing about uh, Sukkot and Pesach and everything all within this Torah portion. And I could not find the source, but I remember reading that originally before the golden calf and before the actual giving of the Torah from Mount Sinai, all of the Yom Tov existed as one. So it would be that, you know, you would have elements of Shavuot with your Pesach, with your Sukkot, with your Yom Kippur, like it's all like connected. And you see that yeah. here actually in Parsha Bayera because uh, Pearl K brings down that Abraham was actually circumcised on Yom Kippur. Mm. And then right now in this Parsha, it is during Pesach. And then him being hospitable to quote unquote Ushpizin i.e. guest is something you do during Sukkot. So this whole hospitality and hosting thing is super important. Mm. All of that's my segue into Avoda Zera, uh, and I believe it is chapter three, um, but I have the text here in front of me from Avoda Zera tractate. It says that Hashem offers the nations, the goyim, the idolaters, the people outside of covenant, the opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah, even though the end of days is already here. Talk about the parable of Mashiach saying those who are going to get the same wages even at the last hour. I mean, here it is Good. right here. You're going to get an opportunity to fulfill one of the greatest mitzvot that's considered an easy one. And literally mm. the culmination of our calendar, the, the season of our joy is Sukkot. Like, it don't get any more intense, pun intended, than that. Right. But it says, <laughs> even though the end of days is already here, today's section asks whether the mitzvah can be fulfilled at the end of days, or is it too late? How can God offer a mitzvah to the nations to perform in the world to come? According to the very common Jewish idea, the mitzvot are to be performed in the here, the now, and today. Like today, while there's still day, let us work. Yeshua says that. Then it says yeah. the end of days is when people will be rewarded for their performance. But by that point, it is too late to actually perform them. And it goes on to kind of conclude that, that Hashem says, no, I can do whatever I want. Not because I'm trying to be arrogant or whatever, but for the sake of life, for the sake of mercy. For the sake of not wanting anyone to perish, I'm going to give the, the nations, those who did not come to Shuva before the Alam Haba, I'm going to give them the opportunity even then to perform one mitzvah to give them some merit to come into the kingdom. And that mitzvah that I'm going to give them is the mitzvah of Sukkah. And again, I brought out that Abraham, at this point of doing this sukkah celebration right here, he's at his lowest. He's on the third day of circumcision when the pain is at its greatest mm -hmm. point, i.e. when he is at the least so that Hashem is the most increased. I'm going to give the nations that is their entry point. If they can decrease themselves that much and observe this mitzvah and be like Abraham and enter into newness of life, here we go. And it says in Avodah era that the nations will come into the sukkah. Hashem is going to do the same thing he did in this week's Torah portion, make this day supernaturally hot, pull the sun out of its sheath. And what the nations are going to do is they're going to kick the sukkah and despise it. And they're going to basically be lack of a mitzvah and not enter into the kingdom. They couldn't even keep the mitzvah of sukkah. So, Anyway, talk about Hashem being merciful. That is absolutely insane. Wow. All right. So here's why I want to finish my ping pong. I want to finish my ping pong uh. in Bereshit chapter 21, literally verse 33, because it's so interesting that after the Akedah, Abraham goes back to Beersheba. 
and when uh, Yishmael and Hagar are kicked out, they dwell around Beersheba for a little bit before actually going to Paran and all that. It says in that verse, 2133, he set a monument in Beersheba and he prayed there, Bishem Adonai. And it literally uses, uh, what, 33 here? Uh, Adonai El Olam, like the everlasting God. So mm. they bring up this point that it is, uh, where are we at? Vayita Eshel. He set up a monument. And I'm in the, uh, I'm in the Targum, OG Onkelos. It says the Hebrew Eshel is a tamarisk, a tall, shady tree. The Bible does not explain why Abraham planted it, which remember it is a uh, which tour portion. Uh, I feel like it's Shoftim. Do not plant a tree next to the altar. And mm. so uh, this whole thing about the whole idolatrous worship practice and all that kind of stuff is brought down there. So uh-huh. here at the very place where Hashem, where uh, Abraham is going to set up a monument to Hashem, he's planting a tree. But it is not what we think it is, because check it out. It says, based on Talmud, Sota 10a and Bereshit Rabbah, there are two explanations. One view is Abraham planted a garden from which he gathered fruits for his guest. So there was one Midrash that talked about there was golden fruit etched on the walls of the Beit HaMikdash during the temple or during the time of Melik Shlomo, and that fruit actually that was etched on the wall in gold as art actually became living fruit, you know, like inanimate objects coming to life in the presence of Hashem, kind of the dead mm-hmm. being raised. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So Abraham planted a garden here where he set up a monument to pray to Hashem. And they're calling it a garden, and they're saying there were fruits here, and this is what he used to give to the guests. And then it says, another opinion is he constructed an (laughs) inn, which a large assortment or which had a large assortment of fruit. Rashi's grandson, Rosh Baum, states that it was a garden where he prayed. So Mashiach Yeshua praying in the garden. Uh I mean, that's not new. Uh, So then the kind of like closing this up as well there is a gentleman who i like to call g shekel who is i would hope a lapide in india of all places he has a commentary he brings down every week on the parsha that is absolutely insane and he all connects it to torah yeshua and all sorts of stuff here's what he says about that tree he says that we first see this tree in Bereshit 18, verse 4. The three men sit under this tree. The Hebrew text has the definitive article, the, like ha, as in hey. And it says, as if it were a special tree. The Hebraic tradition says Abraham would always plant a special tree wherever he lived. So he took the temple with him, like a tabernacle, with him. And then it Mm. says that um, he always planted it wherever he lived. And those sitting under this tree would cause its branches to spread out if they were righteous people or it would shrivel like wither, like the fig tree would be cursed if they were idolaters. So why was the fig tree withered when Yeshua spoke to it and there wasn't fruit there? There's that. And then it says this special tree is linked to the tree of life, the Eitz Chayim. And by inviting people to sit under it, Abraham was encouraging them to rest in Hashem's shade, i.e. coming to Hashem's sukkah and not right. that of idols. So anyway, just wanted to bring that down. Ping pong. Do your thing. Wow. Man, I don't have anything else to say after that, man. <laughs> I mean, that's just insane what you just did. <laughs> I think you took out 
you took out your opponent, his whole coaching staff, and the ref right there. <laughs> and well, and the judges. And the judges. You just threw their scorecards out into the crowd. <laughs> the judges. <laughs> that, that ain't fair, man. Nothing about what just happened there is fair. Nothing. Wow. Well, hey, Baruch Shem, it's Parsha Bayer. He had to show up and show out, man. Well, let me just say, man, that was amazing. I don't, I don't even know what to say. I, I do want to complete my thought about Uriel, but I feel it's insig- <laughs> insignificant now. Well, ping pong, do your thing. <laughs> I, I feel it's insignificant at this point. But, you know, oh, how am I even going to? Well, I'm just going to throw it out there. Bring it home, Khabibi. Well, if Hashem is is in the midst of these these four angels, um, we know that Uriel has the same gematria as Ratziel. Hmm. And Rats meaning the secrets. We know from the Tikkun, Tikkun Ezo Zohar and Tikkun 7127b that... Uriel is a delegate of the Torah because the idea is who can stand before Hashem? Honestly, who is there? Even in the heavens, who can stand before him? I mean, we have, we have uh, the greats, Gabriel, Mikael, Raphael. They don't stand before him. They stand to his sides. They stand behind him. The only one who can stand in front of him is the Malak Uriel. He's the only one. Wow. Perke Eliezer says the third camp proceeds before him. The third camp. And the reason why the drop is that because he's the delegate of the Torah and because Uriel has the secrets of the Torah with his gematrial link of Ratzel, you know that only the Torah can be before Hashem. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to. Come on. Tip jar. Because I have... I'm going to give you five shekels for this. I appreciate you. (laughs) You just said the gematria of Uriel is Raziel, the secret right. of the Torah. He was not there, apparently, at Parshavaira at the beginning of Bereshit 3, or 18. That's true. So a thought popped into my head, if, or, no, not if, with Uriel being everything that you just started elucidating yeah. before I interrupted, I was thinking, why have Uriel be there when Abraham is embodying everything that Uriel is because he's standing, well, he's bowing, really, before Hashem. And it That's... just so happens that mm. the gematria of Uriel is the same as Abraham. With the hay. With the hay. Exactly. That's, that's what uh, Rabbi uh, uh, Pincus was bringing down was that the hay was added in order to allow him to take that place through the milah, no less, the milah. The milah is what allowed this this covenant Avram had with Hashem. Wow. is, Is what Hashem took notice of and allowed him to take the place of Uriel, him and his descendants after him. Oh my goodness. So not only not only are they meriting being a delegate of the Torah, but they are meriting the secrets of the Torah. They are meriting standing in the gap for all the nations of the world on Rosh Hashanah, which is an which is another feast that's in this passage. Man. Because it was on Rosh Hashanah. Oh, man, can I give you this drop real quick? Man, you do your thing. I'm, there, I'm just going. Well, hmm. there's a Midrash that talks about the, the whole 
creation of man, the judgment of man on Rosh Hashanah mm -hmm. in the garden. Mm. <clears throat> the reason why the serpent was cursed with the loss of his arms and legs is because he grabbed hold of the tree <clears throat> of the Etz Hadas and he shook it with his hands and his feet wow. to shake that fruit off and cause that great chet to be committed in the garden. Wow. And for that reason, he lost his hands and feet. This is why in the Akidah, Itzhak said, bind my hands and my feet. Oh, come on. To make tikkun for that chet. But see, all of that Hashem saw in Abraham at the gates of his tent. So all Mashiach's, of that, huh? So Mashiach's hands and feet. Yes. That's why they were pierced. <clears throat> exactly. That's why they were bound. Rashi says, I think it's Rashi says, Itzhak's hands and feet were bound so tight that his skin became white underneath. Like a leper. Oh, and my word. Exactly. And if you think about the the circumcision, which we're calling the Milah. Milah is how you say covenant. When we're calling this this covenant, this uh, uh what is the word? The Orla, right? Right. The Orla, yes. The Orla, the Bris Milah. This covenant. This is where things are revealed in your life. You're never going to see them. You're never going to see um, the things that Hashem sees until there is a circumcision. <laughs> Not going to happen. Wow. There has to be, there has to be a cutting away. There has to be a the a removal of the klipa, like like Egypt was uh, klipa. It was it was this resistance that had to be removed in order for the true nation to come forth. Wow! Wow! Right? Right. So. <laughs> You know, what I see here, when you have this covenant, this, uh, this circumcision, this devotion to Hashem to where he is standing in front of you, and you, and what does he see? He sees his Torah. Yeah. That's yeah. what he sees. He sees Yeshua. He sees Yeshua. Wow. And, and now the, the question is, do we see it? Oh. Abraham saw it. Oh. Abraham saw them. Abraham saw Hashem. Abraham saw the three angels. And Abraham acted on it. Do we see it? Do we see him? Do we see them? Got to have eyes to see, ears to hear. It's very powerful, isn't it? Man. Incredible. Brit Mila. I said Mila means uh, covenant. Brit, Brit is covenant. Mila is yeah. circumcision. That's right. And who who is the circumciser <laughs> the, the moel right yeah well i think the terminology breed me law is interesting when you really look at what you're actually saying mm -hmm. you're saying a connection is going to come from a separation like the breach the covenant is going to come from the mila the right. separation right <clears throat> so you know if you look at that you look at the binding of the of the hands and the feet 
the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the saving of Lot, the saving of Mashiach's ancestry through the Moabites, through Ruth, through David, through Yeshua. All of that started because a man 50 years prior decided to leave idolatry and 50 years later circumcised himself and Hashem took notice of that, which is a model that everyone in covenant with Hashem who makes the decision and chooses to separate themselves from a pagan life and in turn join themselves to Hashem as something set apart, something made holy, Hashem will see you and he will visit you and give you his Torah and the secrets of it as much as he sees fit and as much as you're willing to study. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Well, Habibi told our Rabbah it wouldn't be right if I just didn't say three gematrias for Abraham. First one, Bezalem Elohim, in the image of Hashem. That's the gematria of Abraham. Mm. The next one, Kol Adonai Elohim, the voice of Hashem Elohim. And last but certainly not least is Makom Hamizbeach, the place of the altar. Come on. So when you talk about us being sons of Abraham, that's that's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up right there. So incredible wow. Talmud. I appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Your insights. Come on. And I will need a new suit after this, but that's cool because I like making them. Man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what do we know? What do we know? Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet Vechaye Olam Natabet Ocheinu Baruch Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen. Amen May we merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days Amen Incredible Talmud Bless you and may you have a Shavuot Tov. And to our podcast listeners, this is Shomer Man and Incredible Talmud for Parsha Bayera. Thanks for yeah. joining us. Shalom, brother. Shalom.